Hello, my friends. Welcome to Rebirth of Venus. This is Caitlin Matanley. Do you hear my carbonated water next to the microphone? I'm going to put it next to the microphone and see if it gets picked up. I love the sound of the bubbles in the water. I really do. <laughs> I didn't think about that getting picked up. We'll see how good my mic really is. It's great to be back on the podcast. I have a lot a lot to open with. Um, remember how two weeks ago in the last episode hit, I think it was two weeks ago, um, I said I was going on a social media hiatus. <laughs> well, that clearly didn't happen um, because I didn't realize that we were at the flashpoint of, you know, the globe awakening to the racial justice civil rights movement that has been happening, that is happening every day, that has been going on for centuries, and that with the murder of George Floyd would be ignited into a global movement of active marches and protest. Um, and like I said, marches have been happening, protests have been happening, people have been working behind the scenes to not just raise awareness, but like actually create change in this area. It's not a new movement at all. And yet, suddenly there being these massive marches and protests everywhere is really powerful. It's really powerful. And a lot of people are waking up. I mean, yeah, centuries late, as Rachel Ricketts says. <laughs> um, I took her, her spiritual activism 101 class last Sunday with two friends. And that was one thing that, I mean, it's fantastic. You absolutely should check it out. I'll put the link in the show notes. Um, if you're on my email list, you've already seen what I shared about my experiences with it. Um, but she says, you know, white people, you are centuries late. Get to work. There's no time to waste, you know? Um, yeah, it's great. Those of you who are new, it's great that like you're here, but, um, let's not waste any time because this has been happening. Racism didn't go anywhere. Um, and, there are very, very real systems of oppression that you're just now waking up to being part of the privileged group that, let's face it, unless you're really, really looking for social justice and looking for ways you can get involved with social justice, you may not have realized until the past couple weeks what the reality is like for huge um, populations of the world. I I said that earlier on an Instagram live populations and that just like does not, that's not the vibe I'm really trying to convey here. That sounds so fucking scientific people like real fucking people. These are issues that affect real people every day. And that quite frankly, you know, for black individuals, for example, they don't have the privilege. You don't have the privilege if you're listening, you don't have the privilege to necessarily just like turn it off for a week, you know? And so the irony is not lost on me. And also, you know, finding myself in a place where, you know, I had designated time to stay off of social media. And then I was like very active on social media, um, you know, sharing resources, educating myself, um, amplifying the voices of others, signing petitions, spreading the word, you know, doing the thing. I live in Mexico and um, there have been protests here, but it's 
but not at the size or frequency of those in the United States. And so, you know, a lot of what I can do to support the Black Lives Matter movement, of which I am a 2,000% supporter, has been digital. So when last Saturday I hit a point where I was like so overstimulated and overwhelmed and um, feeling just like not an effective activist or accomplice for this cause, I did have to take a real break finally. And I felt a lot of guilt around that because of this very idea that it was like, who am I as a white woman to think that I have the right to take a break, you know? And I know that's just a projection of my own white guilt, my own white fragility, but, you know, it was just, it's definitely something that I'm seeing people grapple with, and um, I'm not going to tell you, like, what you should do, (laughs) how much you should rest, or, like, I'm not going to give you, you know, validation of, you've done enough, now you can rest, like, that's not the point. The point is, like, these are feelings we need to contend with, and then just decide, you know, like, I had I decided in that moment to take a break. Um, of course, what happened when I did is I actually identified my real blind spots, which had been the places I could actually affect the strongest change, which wasn't telling off white supremacist trolls on Facebook, <laughs> needless to say. Um, not going to say that's not necessary. <laughs> it absolutely is, and um, I've had a few friends reach out and they're like hey can I just tag you when people are you know acting fucking crazy on my post and I said yes to me that's like more actionable <laughs> like I'm actually helping <laughs> but okay my point here isn't like the place of being on Facebook 24 7 in the revolution my point here is just to really demonstrate that like this shit's complicated and if it's if you if these aren't things you thought about before they're going to be feel even more complicated, and that's just how it is. <laughs> you know, I'm not even going to say, like, do your best. It's like, well, actually, probably your best isn't good enough. I mean, I know my best isn't good enough here. Um, so I've just got to do the thing and just keep doing the thing. Like, a big thing I'm seeing around everything that's been happening, um, and – Again, I don't want to diminish anything by using that general statement, everything that's been happening, like the the real documentation of police officers murdering innocent black people. And um, that documentation is only a small representation of a problem that exists outside of the police force and outside of that footage and everything else. Where was I? lost my train of thought there um yeah you know it's not it, it, it's not something this isn't the work that you can like tie up on a in a little bow and like create a tidy little instagram story on i mean we may try <laughs> you know i mean and talking about some of these things is important um i say some of these things because you know as a white person i'm also reminding myself of like Am I actually amplifying black voices by bringing myself into this conversation? Or am I just talking to make myself feel good? You know, I mean, I'm never going to tell people that their voices don't matter. But this is a time when 
white people, any white people listening, I want you to know that like it's our responsibility to do what we should have been doing already and what many of us have been doing already, which is giving the stage to the voices of individuals that are deliberately kept from that stage, you know? And even here, eight minutes in to this episode, my intention was to like start things off and my intention in general has been to keep these episodes a little more succinct um, because this is something that's been really weighing on me already before, um, you know, over the past few months and has had a light really shined on it over the past two weeks of what I just said, you know, I as just like part of my personality, I like to talk, Gemini Rising, um, especially in a, an environment that I feel like I control, like this podcast. <laughs> um, you know, you may not find me like being super chatty in a big group at a party, not that I go to parties currently, <laughs> you know, we are still in quarantine. Um, but I, you know, maybe like talking in a small group or something like that. My point is that I've become really, really, really hyper aware of how much I talk just to hear myself talk. And I wonder when I look at like some of the hour long episodes, I mean, I know a lot of you get value from them and I get a lot of amazing you know, responses to those episodes, but sometimes I, you know, I wonder if there's a more direct way to really get to the point and talk about what truly matters and not just go on and on about my opinion. I'm sure my opinions may be interesting or entertaining, but really they aren't what matters most. You know, and, and they're definitely not th something I need to be talking about for nine minutes at the beginning of an episode like I have already. <laughs> so, yeah, just, you know, there's not like a, a right answer. There's not like a tidy little takeaway in this pre-conversation. Um, it's just really a demonstration of like what the things we need to be thinking about and how they affect everything. And that's the work. That's a piece of the work. Okay, so today I want to talk about manifestation and white privilege. It was really funny. <laughs> I'm going to full disclosure in that moment. I was like, wait, white, which one was I going to say? <laughs> it's like white privilege, white supremacy, white fragility. I mean, we can use all of those, but, you know, most specifically white privilege. There's a meme. I don't know the original creator of the meme. If you know, please message me on Instagram and let me know, at Caitlin Matanley. Link is in the show notes, as you really should know by now. If you aren't following me on Instagram and on my email list, you've been missing, like, everything. <laughs> and actually Facebook, too. I've been a lot more active on Facebook recently, on my personal page. So I'm Caitlin Matanley everywhere. I'm, like, the only Caitlin Matanley in the world, so it makes it easy. Um, anyway, I... There's this, this meme that's been going on for over a year that's like unicorns and rainbows in the picture. And it said, this, maybe you manifested it. Maybe it's white privilege. <laughs> and I, you know, recirculated it um, many times when it, I first saw it because it made me laugh. And it also, I realized it was real. Um, not realized it was real. I, I felt like how real that is. Because until uh, two weeks ago, most people in the manifestation space didn't really speak on white privilege. And most of them who spoke the loudest were white. There are 
absolutely manifestation coaches of color. And in fact, in the show notes, I need to make a list because I'm saying things, I'm going to put things in the show notes that I wasn't, I hadn't thought about previously. I'm going to, in the show notes, include Instagram handles of just a few people I follow, black women who are manifestation coaches um, or who, you know, talk, have conversations in that space. So, you know, whether you identify as a coach of manifestation or a teacher or a mentor or a student or just like you're interested in it and you're white and honestly if you hold any privileged identity because privilege is a ladder it's a hierarchy and you know part of intersectionality is identifying the fact that these different identities intersect and give us more privilege or less. Okay, so for me, I'm a woman. I am a white, able-bodied, cisgender, um, heterosexual passing. I don't really label my sexuality, but like, you know, I'm in a relationship with a, with a male, with a, a cis male um, woman. So I'm a woman. I think I already said that. Cis woman. Anyway, my point is that like, Aside from being a woman, I hold every privileged identity. I am able-bodied. I'm cisgender, um, which means, if you don't know, it means that I identify with the gender with which I was born or labeled at birth. Um, so I'm not transgender. I am heterosexual passing. I am a white immigrant in a country where I hold, like, a very high priv level of privilege because of that. Um, there are lots of other intersections of my privilege. And so being a woman, I'm – and still holding all those layers of privilege, I'm what's often referred to as an oppressed oppressor. So I'm oppressed as a woman compared to men, but I'm also the oppressor for all the other reasons. And people get really defensive sometimes about this. And that's something that has to change because here's the thing. Yeah, I don't like consciously discriminate against anybody. And part of that actually comes from my upbringing and like the types of environments I was, I grew up in, like, you know, living in a diverse neighborhood, going to a diverse schools, like, et cetera. So it's education. But also, despite those things, I still am existing in a system that benefits me in every way. And so I'm complicit in that because I accept those benefits. And I'm also blind to some of those benefits because I hold the privilege. Privilege is invisible to those who hold it. I mean, that's why all these, a lot of white people are like, I, I, mean, I even had a conversation with somebody close to me the other day. It was like, well, I'm not yeah, like, privilege. Like, I mean, they're actually a supporter of Black Lives Matter, but still, like, I could tell just from the tone they didn't see themselves as privileged, and I was like, in my head, so many ways. I mean, like, okay, yeah, this is a person who is not as privileged as I am, but is still white, and by just being white has never had to worry about many, many, many things that individuals of color have to worry about on a daily, hourly basis. Okay. So, um, the reality is 
because these layers of privilege are so invisible to us, we often have, not often, we inherently have biases that we're just, you know, raised in. And so it doesn't matter if you're not actively prejudiced against a group, or in this case, actively racist, outwardly, vocally racist. You still are complicit in a system that is racist. And so you're racist by default. And and not even, you know, actually, I like what Ibram X. Kendi says in his book, um, How Not to Be an Anti-Racist. He says that, that, um, crap, what does he say? <laughs> I totally lost my train of thought. My mind is like a little scattered today, if you can't tell. Um, oh, he says there are not, there aren't racist actions and non-racist actions. I'm sorry, he said there aren't racist and non-racist. It's not that you're racist or not. It's that your actions are racist or not. And so, well, of course, like, I would never say I'm a racist. I I absolutely have taken actions that are racist without even realizing it because that's how the system is designed. It's designed to keep itself going. And it, it that happens by us just making these choices, those of us in privileged positions, making choices that we don't think about because they're just like what you do, what you're expected to do. But if the system is racist, then the expectations of the system are racist. You see what I'm saying? So we really need to drop this defensiveness of like, you know, oh, racists are like someone else. It's like, oh, it's some other type of person. Because that actually is really what keeps the system prevailing. Okay. I'm going like way on a tangent. But it's super related and I can't not say this. So how this relates to how I see like manifestation discussed. Um, you know, there's this I, there's this this dominating belief in the world of manifestation and a lot of new age spirituality of like, you can do whatever you want. Like you can like be, it's like you could be all you can be. I mean, I think at the first time I saw that was like a poster in elementary school, not from like a law of attraction book, but like there's this idea that if you just believe something enough, you can have it. Or if you just like hold a high enough vibe, you can have it or whatever. And I've talked in previous episodes about my disagreement with the whole like, you have to be high vibe all the time thing. Um, I've talked about that quite a bit in the past few episodes, so check those out if you haven't already. So the thing is this, and this is something I always felt intuitively and hadn't really known the words to use until the other day I was watching a webinar um, by Juliet Adobo, and she was saying, I'm like 99% sure I just said her name right um I literally just started following I I was recommended this resource through someone else I follow and I signed up for her thing and um I am now like totally blanking I feel okay anyway (laughs) if I that's my like pathetic excuse for you know if I fucked this person's name up um which really there's no excuse Anyway, so she did a webinar about holding space for black and brown clients. And one thing she said, she was like, there's this idea that, like, you just have to – okay, no, I'm sorry. These are my words. There's this idea that you have to just, like, believe it enough. Okay, that's my words. (laughs) She was like, so so take something like um, 
like worthiness. So that's a really common block or limiting belief for a lot of women, you know, not feeling worthy of the thing they want. And that's something, yeah, that is universal. Like all types of women and men and non-binary individuals. And that's not the point. Um, She was talking about women because I I believe that's who she works with mostly. She said, you know, while all types of women may feel, you know, this block of worthiness and may have to overcome that to get what they want, the reality is she's like, for a black woman, for example, if you have these layers of systematic oppression that you just always exist under, to even get to the worthiness piece, you have to break through all of those. And so – well, it's not that you know your the results may take are necessarily going to take longer to get. If someone's not seeing results, it's not because they aren't believing it enough. It's because they exist under very real systems of oppression that have to be like grappled with and moved through. Louisa Duran, one of my mentors, says um, oppression is not a thought or. A feeling. That's what she says. Oppression. I really should write these quotes down and like names and everything before, you know, I, I don't do notes on these episodes. Can you believe that? I know people think I'm crazy. Um, <laughs> um, but <laughs> I'm just laughing because I feel like if anything, this episode shows that maybe I should do that. <laughs> um, but I want to give like a really real, honest discussion about this stuff, you know, unfiltered, unedited. That's just what I want to do. Anyway, so Weez says um, oppression is not a, a, a the oppression is not a feeling. It's a systematic reality. Weez, if you're listening, I'm sorry if I messed up your quote. <laughs> um, but it's basically that. But the point is like, you can't think your way out of oppression. You can't um, believe your way out of oppression. There's no crystal for depression. For Well, there's no crystal for oppression. <laughs> I said depression. I don't know. Maybe there's a crystal for depression. <laughs> um, but there's not a crystal for oppression. You know, there's not like just, oh, if you just light like a specific color candle, oppression is gone. It's just not r- true. And so to deny the very real reality of so many – that keep them from even like worrying about the just like general self-worth stuff it's like it's Maslow's pyramid you know if you which is also interestingly the chakra system if you are struggling with taking care of your daily needs safety like um if 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 you didn't know before the past two weeks having dark skin and specifically being black in the world specifically the united states makes your life more dangerous it means you are less likely to survive being pulled over it means you are less likely to survive you know altercations with the police like any number of other things so if you're actually just inherently worried about your safety as an individual no matter like what other realities exist for you then it's going to be more difficult to access those other things. So with Maslow's Pyramid, it's like, you know, self-actualization is at the top and like safety is the foundation at the bottom, safety and security. And I want to be careful with my language around this because what I'm not saying is like 
oh, if you're not white, you're just like kind of screwed. <laughs> like that's not the point at all. And, you know, everyone's at a different place in terms of like how quickly they can manifest things in general based on their life experiences. Um, but what I am saying is to act like we're all on the same playing field is bullshit. It's the whole like pull yourself up by your bootstraps myth, which is actually been proven a myth. This isn't just like Caitlin saying it's a myth, like I do with lots of things. Um, it's the same idea. It's like the idea of the American dream. It's the idea of, you know, there, there are all these ideas which are inherently racist, which tell us that like, oh, if we just try hard enough, we'll get there. We all started from the same place. It's just not true. It's not true. And honestly, I'm not sure what else I have to say about that besides the fact that like, it's, it's fine to believe in manifestation. And in fact, I recommend Louisa's um, course, Decolonized Manifesting, to like, if you really have a hard time wrapping your head around this, I'll include the link in the show notes to that as well. Okay, so as a reminder, I'm including the links to the um, Manifestation Coaches of Color. I'm including links to Juliet's webinar. I'm including the links to Decolonized Manifesting. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just went through my to-do list on air. No joke. So I, you know, it's, it's fine to believe in manifesting. And, like, I do believe that it's real and that you absolutely have a lot of control over what comes into your life. And that doesn't negate the reality of oppression. Because if I have this narrative that's so common in the manifestation space and the coaching world in general, and in fact, I'm going to have a future episode, probably the next episode is going to be talking about the ways that the coaching industry specifically upholds white supremacy. Um, because it's something I've really been watching over the past year and like critically looking at my own work and just, you know, now seeing like, some of these hyper famous like influencer coaches kind of like going down because of their response or lack of response to you know racial justice issues in general <laughs> um the reality is we don't all start from the same place we don't all have the same opportunities we don't and to ignore that when we talk about something like manifestation is irresponsible and it's just wrong, both incorrect and ethically wrong. Because it leads to the situation where individuals of color feel less safe. They feel like there's something wrong with them. Harm is caused because their individual experiences aren't acknowledged. And this is why ultimately the important thing is to listen, you know, and whether you have, if you're a coach and you have a client who's like struggling with the concepts you're teaching or introducing to them, um, thinking about like, well, how does their lived experience negate this? And listening, listening, which is really what we all need to do. So next time you're thinking of like something you manifested, let's talk about money, manifesting money. Okay. So yes, when we're manifesting money, we don't have to focus on the how. The universe is a you know better imagination than we do. I'm just like rattling off the 
things that are often said on the topic. But the reality is, as a white woman, I have access to more financial resources in society than a black woman. Now, that's not to say there aren't black women who are richer than me. Obviously, there are. I follow tons of them on Instagram, (laughs) you know. But systematically, the system is designed to give me money in a way it's not designed to give them money. And I'm not an anti-racist educator (laughs) by any means. In fact, um, I have a big problem with white, in air quotes, anti-racist educators in general. Um, I, again, as my mentor Louisa says, you can't be the poison and the antidote. And I agree. Um, There are tons of incredible anti-racist racial justice educators of color to pay not just follow but pay um louisa duran who i just mentioned you can join her membership on podia um or find her on instagram um rachel cargill rachel ricketts um aja barber isn't a racial justice educator specifically but she talks a lot about racial justice issues in relation to um labor justice in the retail industry and environmental issues in the retail industry. Um, there are countless people, many of whom have Patreons, join their courses, join their Patreons, pay them to educate you. Um, but listen to people's very real experiences of the privileges they have access to and are afforded and identify where there may be some holes in your own spiritual beliefs around like what we all get access to because the reality is while yes it may in fact be a universal law putting that in air quotes again that like you know it's equally easy to manifest five dollars as five million dollars but the reality is there are specific structures in place that make five million dollars a lot easier to manifest for white people whether that comes to connections, whether that comes to um, access to other people who have done it, awareness of the possibility of it. I mean, there's so many things, and I'm not, like I said, getting into the specifics of how these issues play into a racial justice context because that's not my area of expertise by any means. And even if it was, go learn from black, brown, indigenous women of color on this topic. I'm rambling now. I'm going to stop. My takeaway is maybe you manifested, maybe it's white privilege from the meme. Um, I hope that somebody can tell me who the original creator of that meme is so I can go back to the show notes of this episode and give them credit. Um, And this process is not going to be perfect. It's going to be imperfect, just like this episode um it's gonna be messy it's not gonna always be comfortable sometimes you're gonna be like what how's this connected to this and like is this a tangent should I even be thinking about this or talking about this or do the work there's not an easy roadmap if you're asking yourself like oh am I doing it wrong it's like well if you're just just do it just do it um it's messy it's tricky you're gonna fuck up I've fucked up I will probably keep fucking, no, not probably. I will definitely keep fucking up because I'm actually working at it. So anyway, 
um, stay tuned. Next week, I'm going to be talking about the ways that co- the coaching industry perpetuates white supremacy. Don't want to miss that one. Um, if you're in the personal development world at all, that's going to, I think, be pretty eye-opening for you, um, whether or not you're actually a coach or maybe you employ coaches. On the subject of employing coaches, <laughs> I do have a couple spots left in my three-month private coaching experience before the um, structure changes and the investment increases on June 15th. And something cool I'm doing. So if you don't know already, I always donate 10% of the gross income from my company to underserved populations. Again, that word, populations, um, which are overwhelmingly, 99% of the time, black, brown, indigenous, person of color-led initiatives for social justice, racial justice, um, prison reform. I hate that word, reform, um, legal aid, etc. On top of that, normal 10% I always do, which I will continue to keep doing. Um, For anyone who joins my private coaching experience, I have, like I said, just a few spots left before June 15th. If you want to get in on the current pricing structure, I'm going to be donating $500 for each person, both the pay-in-fulls and the payment plans. I have two payment plan options for private coaching, so I make it as accessible as possible. Um, check that out, the link in my show notes, or go to kaitlumatanley.com coaching. Reach out to me with any questions on Instagram at kaitlumatanley. Link is also in the show notes for that. Um, and I'll be donating $500 for each of those packages on top of the normal 10% to your local bail fund um, or the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. You can pick where you want your $500 um, donation that I'll be making in your name where you want that to go and um, yeah if you're willing to not spiritually bypass the revolution um, I'm here for you I'm here for you to unpack these things to refer you to those who can help educate you deeper on these topics um, and if you are ready to create a business or to grow your business from a place of impact, a place of social impact, a place of using your business as a vessel for social change, as a mutual aid endeavor to fund the revolution, come work with me. Um, I work with witchy entrepreneurs from all walks of life. And I'm really passionate about helping you create a business on your own terms that allows you to have freedom and success and be supported and also allows you to change the world. Because we need more rebel witches. We need more psychic activists. We need more people fucking doing the thing. The future belongs to witches. So check out the link in the show notes. Um, Let's change the world together. I'm so excited to talk to you, and I will see you all again next week. Thanks for your patience with me, bearing with me, um, hanging out this long with my rambling. And, you know, my intention is to show that I'm a human, that I don't always have the right things to say, that I don't always know exactly, like, what I want to 
what words I want to use to describe something. And that doesn't mean that I can't be successful and create a change and uplift everyone around me in the process. So thank you all so much for listening. I will talk to you again next week. Goodbye.